on yesterday's show, I discussed the spring game and the, the big takeaway I, I said was that there was nothing really to take away from that game. Everything was vanilla. There wasn't many players playing. Some folks disagree with me on today's show. I want to get a different perspective and maybe he agrees with me or not, but Mitch Wolf of Eagle Insider is going to join us for his weekly visit to talk about the spring game. Some of the things that he noticed, and we're going to go into the transfer portal as well and look at some of the places BC is going to look at in the transfer portal. This is an episode you're not going to want to miss. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. We're talking spring game. It's uh, football, se- football spring season is over. And I wanted to get another perspective in here to talk about, you know, what what it, what we saw because I I told you yesterday everything I noticed, and so no better person to bring on than Mitch. Mitch, how's it going? I'm here to tell you that every play in the spring game is of the utmost importance, and that it has a direct correlation to how the regular football season will go in the fall. But I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got yelled at in the comment sections about this calling. Uh, what was the word I, I said it to you, Mitch? Someone said I was di- dis, uh, whatever it was that, uh, where is it? I'm going to pull it up because I love it. it uh, to not pay attention to what happened in, on Saturday's game is faulty. That was what I was told. Mm. And, and hey, everyone has their opinion. Mitch, what is your opinion on this spring? The spring game, especially, I think, you know, halfway was a man, a man of his word in this case that he said it was going to be vanilla. Like you said, or like he said, they ran two coverages. I think it was cover three and cover one, which are both single high safety alignments. Uh, and on offense, they ran about probably five passing concepts. Um, I tweeted out that they ran four, ver- they ran verticals and there were a few different types, but they were all very basic versions. Um, they ran that on, I want to say 29 of 43 dropbacks in the first half. Uh, which is really in the second half. I don't really count that because it was just a bunch of random plays kind of from random yard lines. So, you know, I don't really count those. But in the first half, you saw that. You saw um, a few very basic passing concepts repeated over and over again, which was stick, slot, fade, double slant, double stick, a bunch of those. Um, There were like a few unique ones that they ran like only once or twice, but they are very few and far between. And in the run game, I would say no more than five unique plays. Um, And they repeated a lot of them, a lot of split zone, um, a lot of uh, double pull gap schemes, which was interesting. I like to see that. Um, But, you know, again, nothing super interesting or unique that is going to give us a real indication as to what this team is going to run in the fall. So uh, you're you're saying is a good majority of the plays was screw it, go deep. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, theoretically, you know, against a cover three defense, which is what they probably ran the majority of the time, you should be able to find somebody open in a cover against or when you're running, playing that against cover three. Um, if you are running four, you, if it's three verts, then it's a little tougher. But yeah, I mean, a lot of those were either chuck it, you know, chuck it up, try to have the guy make a play or check it down to the back, which that's fine. Um, you know, I think I, I'll say like, I'm a little concerned, like probably like the smallest amount you can be concerned without being not concerned at all about Moorhead's inability to hit those deep shots. Um, 
but some I would say give credit to some of the defensive backs. Alex Washington I thought played very well. Um, Elijah Jones was pretty good, and Amari Jackson had a great game. Um, but you know I, that's something that's going to happen with time. And like you said yesterday, Joseph Griffin wasn't playing. He's you know a contested catch uh, maven. That's what he's really good at. Ryan O'Keefe has the speed to get open deep, so he should be able to burn people deep. You ha- you're working with Tachi Johnson, who had some nice catches over the middle. He had the one nice fade ball that got them down into the, to the one-yard line, and then the catch over the middle on fourth down, which were nice plays. Um, and then, you know, guys like Lewis Bond, uh, Dino Tomlin, and, um, oh, geez, Jane Williams, who weren't really going deep as much, or if they were, they weren't getting targeted. So, you know, I'm not super worried. I thought, in terms of the offensive line, I know that they gave up a bunch of quote sacks and I think there are some where you could, I think there was at least one where I would have said, eh, I would have let that go as not a sack. And then another one where I said that should have been a sack. So, you know, mixed bag there, but honestly, I thought they did pretty well. Um, I think there were times when individual players won their matchups in terms of guys like Donovan Azarak, who had some really great plays. Anito Akpala had a really good game overall. Um, but even in a game that didn't matter and they were running very basic concepts, I think, you could tell that. And uh, something else you mentioned about the offense is that, you know, the running backs, a lot of the times they would get blown, the play would be blown dead and they wouldn't be able to break any tackles. There were a lot of plays where if, you know, they're running full speed and tackling is the rule, then they could pick up a bunch of yards after contact. But I thought that they looked, you know, worlds better in terms of the running game and the passing game. You know, I think there are times when individual guys are going to beat, but I thought, Guys like like Logan Taylor played almost every position on the line, and I thought he was, played quite well. Um, Trapilo had some bad moments, but I thought he was fine. Hergel was solid, except for the one bad snap he had. Um, but he was mostly playing guard, and I thought he was really solid there. So I was happy to see that some of those guys that transferred in were able to come in and make contributions in a meaningful way. And, you know, I think a lot of those deep balls, too. Yeah, yes, you know, in the four verts, you'd want, you want your quarterback to hit some of those. But I feel like a lot of BC's offense and what we didn't see is predicated on pass um, it, uh, play action. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. And, oh, and yeah. when, you're, <laughs> when your playbook is so limited and there isn't the opportunity to run like authentic play action, mm-hmm. that takes out a huge portion of your passing game. Yeah, and they had a few, but it was more of the the under center boot play action where you hit the crossing routes kind of that are flowing with the quarterback rolling out so you saw a few of those but yeah no no real deep play action shots which that's a that was a big part of the offense for really the last three years regardless of who was calling it but yeah and i mean speaking of that i i have to say and this is not to knock on him he's a high school senior at this point playing college ball my favorite play of the game was when jacoby robinson went back for play action and there was no one behind him and yeah he, he just him. i think he just he just i think that was supposed to be a handoff and he just went the wrong way um <laughs> yeah. yeah i in terms of the, well i think we'll get to this later but i think in terms of the other quarterbacks i know you mentioned that some people were very impressed by jacoby robinson I was not <laughs> uh, yep. there. He, I think he took the majority of the sacks mostly just because he didn't get rid of the ball quick enough. Um, a lot of his completions were screens or checking down to the back. I think he had one nice completion on a slant and he had the, obviously the nice keep on the zone read, but like you said, he should be a high school senior. I think he looked a lot like that. Um, it reminded so, me a lot of Emmett Moorhead in 2021. It reminded me a lot of Anthony Brown during some of his early spring games or specifically his first one yep. uh, where he, the funniest part was when he threw an interception and they were returning it and he gave the returning defender a pretty good walloping in the spring game, which was pretty funny at the time. Um, 
but yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me of, of him as a, as a freshman playing the spring game. I can't, I think maybe Sam Johnson did something similar a, a while back, but that's a long time ago. So yeah, I mean, I think we'll, we'll get into the backup quarterback position uh, debate later. All right. And now in a moment, we're going to get into some more thoughts, maybe more on the defensive side. I want to hear Mitch's thoughts on uh, some interesting play by the defensive line, including George Rooks. So I know a lot of fans are really excited about in the play of the secondary. We'll get into that in just a moment. <clears throat> But Grand Slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. If you want the Red Sox game coming up, you can bet on that. Yankees, you got, I mean, you name it. They also got some great prop bets on there. You can find whatever you're looking for. It's so easy to find on FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. This is Locked On BC, AJ Black here, and I am with Mitch Wolf, who is my writer uh, on Eagle Insider and was covering the game while I was there watching it. Uh, it's amazing at alumni stadium, uh, how no matter what the weather is, it feels like it's 80 degrees uh, it, when it's either in the spring or early fall, because I went there expecting it to be about 60 and I was like dying of heat, you know, like the heat out there. And I know the players, I know Halfley was out there in a sweatshirt and afterwards was like, man, that was hot out there. Um, Brother, you're talking to a guy who did, uh, band camp at BC for four years in early August. Oh when, God. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I know the feeling. And also uh, the year my wife graduated from BC, it was very hot and very sunny. And when you're sitting in those metal bleachers for hours and the sunlight's just cooking everybody in the state, like I knew people had to leave. And yep. it was actually funny watching all the graduates. Cause they would just like get up and leave during the middle of the ceremony to, to go get water because they were all just being boiled in the middle of the stadium, which is very funny. Oh, totally. It's, it's, it's tough out there. And, um, but I want to talk about the defense and, and mm-hmm. some of your thoughts of what you noticed out there. Um, it looked to me that Donovan Azaraku and Nito Paula are getting more as, as Halfley says that like upper class college body, like the bigger they're getting, they're, they're getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be a big sign for BC moving forward because they're getting some defensive ends that are really starting to, to beef up. Yeah, Azaraka had a really good game, uh, got into the backfield a bunch, uh, especially in run plays, which, again, is it's, it's surprising how good he is in run defense, given his size, especially when he has to you know set the edge and not just penetrate. Um, but yeah, Akpala had a fantastic game and his body is wild because I remember it might just be the number switch for him, but I remember him just being it's funny we say he's bigger and he might just be more muscular because i remember him just being a lot thicker but wider really not and maybe not as in good shape but man he looks great now um he had that strip sack where he just took the ball from Moorhead as he was talking it back to throw um had had another possible sack i think that led to the Moorhead interception um he was great you mentioned george rooks i think he had two sacks he uh I think he was one actually he uh, knocked the quarterback to the ground at one point, which the announcers gave him some uh, crap for. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be interesting. I, I think it's we, we you mentioned that uh, Owen Stoudmire and Nigel Tate didn't play because they were uh, dealing with injuries or something. So that's a little concerning at the depth. I think that's why you saw guys like Quan uh, Williams and Cam Horsley get a lot of snaps on defense at defense. Tuck. I think they would kind of just stay on the field the whole time. Um, but I still think this defensive line is because of the depth of it. You know, you still have guys like Edwin Kalengi, uh, Shida Salah got a bit of play. Even even Clive Wilson got some run. Um, so that's going to be a really deep group that they're going to, I think is going to be a really 
positive sign for this team. And as you mentioned yesterday as well, the secondary played really well. Um, I'm really proud of my Amari Jackson take from last year. I think that's going to develop into into fruition very nicely. Um, And some of the players that they were playing were a little weird, like John Pupil, who's a uh, transfer slash walk-on from Dartmouth, uh, was the, quote, starter at strong safety, which is interesting. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case long-term. Uh, we, I don't think Cole Batson played the entire game, so he's probably going to be the starter. And then Victor Nelson uh, started as well. I thought he had some nice plays. Um, Kari Johnson did play later in the game, so I, and he was playing mostly free safety. He was even wearing number three, so he looked exactly like Jason Matry. So I'll be interested to see. Like, kind of, I think they've got a lot of bodies there that can do a bunch of different things. You know, you saw Elijah Jones play in the slot a lot, which something he can do. It's not my favorite alignment for him, but then you've also got Amari Jackson, who's smaller, more of the type. So I think that you see all these guys that can play a lot of different positions. And I really like that because then they can maybe, you know, create some confusing coverage shells that you're never going to see in the spring game when you're running basic coverages. But I think they mentioned this on the broadcast that Halfley really wanted guys that could create turnovers in the secondary. And yeah, they, there were five turnovers. There were six, five interceptions, six turnovers by the offense, but I, I, at least two of them were uh, interceptions by Jack Brandon, who is QB five, five QB yeah. four on this roster. Um, just kind of throwing it up. And then uh, I know more, more had obviously had two. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember where the other one came from. Might've been another random one at the end, but um, you know, I, I, it's good to see at least, you know, I saw guys like uh, Carter Davis and KP price. They were playing a lot as early enrollees. And I think Davis was even one of them was playing as corner, which they recruited as safety. So that's encouraging. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was very encouraging to see um, how this team has has improved and they made an effort to get guys with better ball skills that can create takeaways for the defense. Uh, and I, I have a thought about linebacker in a second, and I, I'm going to get back to that. But I want to ask about George Rooks because I was I was there watching on the sideline, didn't get to see. Can you talk about, like, is he going to be more of an edge rusher? Where do, where do you see him kind of fitting in with BC? So I think they played him mostly at, at quote defensive tackle. Um, but I th- imagine that he will mostly align from kind of from the, from if you kind of drew a line down the center of the, of an offensive tackle, mm-hmm. uh, he would play closer to this inside from that offensive tackle. So, and he'll kind of align anywhere between there and the outside shoulder of the center. And I would imagine that maybe if he plays on early downs, they will, play him more on the edge to help set the edge. But be- because they have such depth at defensive end and guys with a lot of experience like Ezraku, like Shida Salah, uh, like Nito Akpala, guys who can make plays like that, he might just at this point be a designated third down rusher. Um, and then they can bring him in. He can add some, a different s- style of rushing. Cause obviously, you know, Quan Williams is big, short squat guy, six, one, three, 12. So he's not going to offer you as much pass rushing juice. So you take him off, you keep Horsley on. Cause he's got, he's pretty good at that. But then you rotate Rooks in to be that, quicker interior uh, pressure presence that will give guards fits. So yeah, I think he's going to be a very interesting chess piece. I know he's, it's funny. There's a guy in this year's draft class. His name is Mike Morris. Um, I think he's a, he's related to a former BC women's basketball player. Who's now a coach on Michigan staff, but uh, they, he, sorry, he was kind of, he's built similarly. He's like six. He was listed at six, six two ninety by Michigan, but he came into the combine at like six, five two seventy six, which is pretty similar to what Rooks is now. And he was kind of that player where on the base downs, he plays outside, but then he bumps inside uh, during pass rush downs. And I think that Rooks is going to serve a similar role for BC in the coming season. 
Good to know. Good to know. It, it kind of fits into what Halfley said about depth. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of guys that can do a lot of different things for you at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now I wanted to ask about linebacker. Um, and we saw Cam Arnold out there, I believe. Uh, but one guy I saw, and he's been listed, I feel like, all over the place on BC's depth chart and on their roster was Sione Hala, who mm-hmm. looked like he was playing linebacker, but I wanted to get your thoughts on him. Yeah, I think that he is he I mean he's he's gonna play the same strong safety role that Jaden Woodbay did, and mm-hmm. the vast majority of Jaden Woodbay's snaps came down in the box or in the slot, so he's not playing deep. And I I, I think Hala is gonna be similar because he definitely brings power as a hitter. I know he, there was one play where he broke up a screen pass because he knifed through the block, the screening blockers to blow up the running back, which was good. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to be that hybrid player that I've talked about for years, honestly. <laughs> but but um, yeah, I, I think they'll list him as a DB, but he's essentially going to be a a small linebacker. That I, I, I did like what I saw. You know, he didn't play as much. You know, I think in the first the first unit they had uh, the main guys out there, Arnold. Uh, uh, Steel and and Blackwell. Oh, I said they they rotated De Palma some, and then the second unit was McGowan, Crouch, and Hala. And I think that so yeah, I think you're he, that I think he's gonna be that. I know Halfley mentioned this in one press conference that Nickel Sam, which is an idea that uh, Paul Rhodes is bringing in, which is kind of that hybrid linebacker safety player. So I think that's where Hala fits in. All right, in our final segment, I want to talk to Mitch about the transfer portal. As I said on an earlier episode, BC is not going to sit idly after this um, after this spring period and let the transfer portal pass them by. They're going to be looking for depth, and I'm gonna we're going to talk about some positions BC could look for in the transfer portal. We'll get into that in just a moment. This is locked on BC. AJ Black. We are now, last I checked, 35 subscribers away from 1,000 on our YouTube page. And I want to thank each and every one of you who have done that. And all of you that have made Locked on BC your everyday BC podcast. We're the only one out there. We do this every day. And we do it um, 365 days a year. We're a five days a week podcast. And we love doing it. So thank you. And if you're not done so already, hit that subscribe button. Help us get to 1,000. It's going to really help the podcast out tremendously. All right, now let's look at the transfer portal, Mitch. Now, as I said, this is not me just spitballing here. This is information I know. BC is going to be looking into the transfer portal to add depth and to really kind of fill out their roster. What positions do you think BC should be looking at? So the first thing, and this is something that was brought up in my AMA the other week about scholarship numbers. So I believe currently with the incoming class, BC needs to find I think 11 scholarships essentially. Um, so they're, they're kind of up against it, honestly, right now. So I think they're going to have to find a way to kind of churn the roster a little bit, but in terms of what they need in the transfer portal, I'll bring back a point I brought up earlier. This team needs to find an answer at backup quarterback because Matthew Reeve had some okay drives, but I mean, I think that his ceiling is probably Dennis Grossell, uh, which, you know, if Halfley wants to keep this job, they need to keep, they need to find ways to win games and, as we saw in that year, that's just not going to cut it if Emmett Moorhead, God forbid, goes down. Um, Jacoby Robinson is not ready, and I think it's very concerning that Peter Delaportis did not get any action until the second half, and Robinson was the, was the second quarterback on the field after Moorhead and played over Delaportis by a significant margin. So I it's, it's going to be a little tough to find because you're going to be trying to find a quarterback that is coming in to be a backup and then compete for a starting job 
the next year. So, you know, I'm not sure exactly where to look for that right now, but that's something they need to look into. Um, one other position I'd be interested in is punter. Um, Candati had a few punts. I know he, I think he shanked one pretty bad. It was hard to tell in the broadcast that I, I also want to bring this up. The broadcast was really annoying because especially in the second half, because they just spent time like talking about random things and not even showing the game to which I would say, listen, if somebody's watching the BC spring game, they're watching to watch the BC spring game. They're not watching to hear about how the AC scheduling model is new or, um, this is going to come off badly, but I didn't, I'm not watching to hear about Mark Herzlick's charity. I'm sorry, but I, I came to watch the BC spring game. So that's one thing, but anyways, um, yeah, punter is one I'd be interested in. Uh, Candati was good last year as a short kick specialist, um, which, and I think that that's, that's valuable to have, but this team needs a punter that can consistently boom it, especially if the offense is going to struggle. Uh, in terms of other positions, I don't know how serious the injuries are at defensive tackle, but I think finding another guy that is more of a nose tackle type would be interesting to look into. Um, Cause right now you've got Quan and that's, that's pretty much it um, off the top of my head in terms of the defensive tackles that are, you know, big, you know, gap gap stuffers, not, you know, penetration style guys. And I think now that Horsley's bulked up, he can do that a little bit, but I would be interested in kicking the tires on a guy there. Um, I know some people would be interested in linebacker. I, I wouldn't hate it if they can get one who uh, is a little more experienced, you know, maybe not as athletic, but you know, something I'm not saying of any De Palma clone, but somewhere kind of between that and a guy like Cam Arnold. So somebody who, you know, has, has a bit more experience in terms of just like fitting the run and knowing their assignments. Um, other than that, I mean, I think, I think the t- like the tight end position solid running back depth is solid. Wide receiver depth is very solid. And I mean, frankly, you know, assuming mahogany is ready for week one i think the offensive line is like pretty much ready to go like they've got got they've got at least two guys at every position that can play uh have experience you know obviously i don't want a guy like jackson ness starting every game but if he needs to come in and you know if kendall hurts gets hurt in the middle of the game and ness needs to play the second half or something with with the other guys around him with if he's flanked by hurdle mahogany i'm like okay we, we can make this work for a half mm-hmm. um so you know, I think they need some, like I said, some some backfill at defensive uh, on the defensive side, but and then backup quarterback and punter. Those would be the ones that I would say. Yeah, that backup quarterback position is going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, and I mean, there. like, ho- hopefully for the first time, I think you said since 2016 when Patty Tolles started. Although I'm yep. I'm pretty sure Darius Wade started a game that year, or oh, he, at least he played in one against FSU. And then there was there was the one year where Anthony Brown was actually healthy for most but pretty much the whole year. I think he just missed that. It was the 2018 year where he got hurt against Clemson, but only missed that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, this team really can't, hopefully with the offensive line improved, they can keep more head upright. And luckily he is a big dude who can take hits if need be. But if history is any predictor, which it not isn't necessarily, but in terms of every year, you know, we've seen the BC starting quarterback go down for at least one game. So they need to find a guy who can come in and, you know, be a realistic starter and then, or sorry, be a realistic backup who can come in and keep the ship afloat, if you will. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And it's not a knock on those kids. It's just Jacoby Robinson is, I mean, he's 18, 17. I th- yeah, I mean, there are flashes that this kid could be good, but it, it's a long way off. And and there's no need to rush him given time. Like, it, it, I mean, I think, and again, it's a spring game, but honestly, I think what he showed in that spring game was worse than what Moorhead showed in his one half against Syracuse in 2021. Yeah. Which are yeah, totally I mean, different circumstances, and it's not a really fair comparison, but that's just kind of that's the only yeah, thing I have to I go on, really. 
Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. And then on top of that, you know, we we have the ones of what we are looking at right now. There has been no players entering the transfer portal, but we'd be naive to say that there won't be any. I'm sure there's going to be somebody that leaves. Yeah, I mean, like again, based on just scholarship numbers, they're going to have to, for lack of a better term, churn some people out. I reached out to BC on the numbers too, and I got no answer. But I know they were busy. But I'll try to get. I'll get. I'll get a firmer answer on that because Mm -hmm. a lot of folks are asking about it, and I think I'd love to know too, especially if that's what they're looking at. So, Mitch, uh, any last thoughts before we put the spring game to bed? Uh, nope, not really. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm honestly kind of happy that it's over because now we can, you know, Halfley made this funny comment about uh, being so vanilla on offense. He's like, well, what are teams going to do? Go watch old NFL film of the offense. And to which I would say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Like, I'm I'm going to go back and start. We can keep watching the 2016 Colts all 20 or uh, it's not all 22 because it's old it's broadcast film. But I stay, uh, I digress. So yeah, I'm going to be watching uh, old Rob Chudzinski games to at least try to get a feel for what the offense is going to look like in the fall. And for folks that have been asking, like, what are we going to talk about? Uh, recruiting is going to heat up big time. This is the, we're getting around the time when official visits start to happen. You're going to have more commitments. You're going to have guys making their top list. I am into all of that. I cover it all on two, four, seven There's basketball news. We'll be covering baseball. I'll even talk a little across if stuff pops up. Anything in between. And then, of course, I'm sure there's going to be uh, conference realignment stuff popping up. It seems to be like uh, I don't know if it's the, the media that pushes it to, to churn during the summer, but it seems like it's inevitable that something will come up uh, that we'll end up talking about there. And then I usually and I don't know if it'll be this year, June and July, we usually go to three days a week. So news get a little bit slower there. We'll, we'll, we'll hit that up. But Mitch, where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell C. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. In terms of BC content, um, as you mentioned, it's going to be getting pretty slow, at least from my end. But I'll be ha- I'll be getting working on a preview of what the offense will look like, as I mentioned. Uh, draft is j- less than two weeks away, so that's exciting. We'll figure out where Zay and Jaden end up. And uh, again, if you're interested in Steeler stuff and draft stuff, I'm still writing for their fan side website. So you can check that out. And again, just follow me on Twitter. I usually post all my work there. All right. This is AJ Black. You can follow me at Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC on tomorrow's uh, on Eagle Insider tomorrow. I will have the big board up for the secondary of all the guys they're looking at in the secondary. There's a guy um, that I don't have on my list that was really high on BC that I'll actually add up there, too. Uh, But on the show tomorrow, we'll be talking all recruiting stuff. I'm going to get into an episode on recruiting. So if you're into recruiting, this is an episode you're not going to want to miss. I'm going to give you some names to watch for. Updates on Henry Hasselback, who was on campus again for a third time last weekend, and uh, my thoughts on what he could bring to BC if he does choose to go football and not lacrosse. For Mitch Wolf, we'll see you all again tomorrow. Thank you all who have listened. We'll take care. I hope you do too.